Revelation chapter 1 verse 8, Jesus says, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. Jesus is telling us that you can find him in the beginning because he is the beginning. And you will find him at the end because he is the ending. You can find Jesus at the beginning and ending of scripture and everywhere in between. But for this episode, we will focus more on the beginning. And so it is titled Jesus in the beginning. And now we go to the life of Jesus. John chapter 5 and verse 39. Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and he tells them, Search the scriptures, for in them you think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. He's telling them to search the scriptures, the entire Old Testament. And through that, you think you have eternal life. That is what they believed, and they were very correct in believing that. But one thing that they were missing was the last part of this verse. He said, and they are they which testify of me. If they were searching the scriptures to find who God was, the revelation of God. The revelation of God is what leads to salvation, which leads to eternal life. But they were more concerned with their ideas about God and what they liked him to be and what they had in their minds for him to be, the lives that they were living. than they were truly trying to see the face of God and seeking the face of God. So what Jesus was saying that if you search the scriptures, you will find me because they are they which testify of me for in them you think you have eternal life. Searching and studying the Bible is what leads to eternal life and leads to salvation. Salvation, the one thing that is universal with mankind, everybody is in need of salvation. It's the salvation that Paul talked about. Romans chapter one and verse 16. He says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. This is the salvation Paul spoke of when he says to work out your own salvation. You have to work it out yourself. No one can do it for you. You can't think it into existence, but you have to work it out yourself. Peter mentioned it in the book of Acts when he said to save yourselves from this untoward generation how do i obtain this the way paul did how do i get to the state where he was at how did paul find his salvation the only way he could have found it was the way jesus said to find it to search the scriptures to find salvation the revelation of god but how do i get to the place paul was at to be able to say i am not ashamed of the gospel of christ not that i'm not only am I not ashamed to tell others about it, but I walk around not ashamed. I don't hang my head low. I don't wonder if I'm right or wrong. I don't wonder if I know the truth. But no, I'm at a place where I know the truth and the truth has set me free. And therefore, I am not ashamed. Paul obtained this salvation in the only way he could, following the example of Jesus. Second Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15. He said, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. There, Paul is telling us the way I am not ashamed is I have studied the word of God. So by studying the word of God, I become approved of God. And through that, I am not ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. 
And we know what the truth is. The truth is Jesus Christ. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. But before Paul had this revelation and was able to say all of these things, he was the man Saul of Tarsus. He was a Pharisee a, of the Sanhedrin council. He stood on a foundation of one Lord. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And he believed that. He thought he was standing on what he believed, but really and truly, he was rejecting Jesus as God. He was persecuting the church of God with good intentions, fully persuaded in his mind he was doing the right thing until that day of his conversion on the way to Damascus when God shined a light down from heaven and there he fell to the ground. Immediately falling to the ground from thinking he went from believing he was on top to automatically going to the bottom. And the very first response when he heard the voice from heaven was, Who art thou, Lord? It's very interesting the words that Saul chooses here. Who art thou, Lord? Because he believed that there is only one Lord. He understood that whoever was going to speak to him at this moment was going to be God Almighty. He knew that when he called, he would answer. So it's very powerful revelation here of Jesus Christ. When the answer came from heaven, I am Jesus. And also, it's amazing to me that Saul didn't just lose his mind right here and say, well, I guess God had changed his mind. I guess God had really decided, well, maybe I'm not one. Or when I read the scriptures before, maybe one doesn't mean one. Maybe it means something else because here is Jesus talking to me. So there must be at least two and not one. No, Paul understood exactly what was going on or what was being done in his life. He was receiving the revelation of Jesus Christ. All at once, all the scriptures that he knew of the prophecies of the Messiah coming, of the things that were spoken by the prophets all through the Torah and all to the Psalms and Proverbs, he understood in one moment that Jesus Christ was God Almighty. And he did everything that he could. He was willing to do anything for God from binding And in that moment, he was willing to do absolutely anything for God. I've heard it said by some over the years that in arguing Jesus being God Almighty, that in the life of Jesus, he never once claimed to be God. And I will go further than that and say not only did he claim, but right here in Saul's conversion, he not only claims it, but Jesus declares it. Who art thou, Lord? He says, I am Jesus. See, the Pharisees understood exactly what Jesus was claiming to be, who he stood for, what was going on in his life. They, that's what made them so furious and wanted to stone him and wanted to do away with him. And I'll read a couple of examples found in the book of John, starting with John chapter 5 and in verse 18. Therefore the Jews sought the more to kill him, because he not only had broken the Sabbath, but said also that God was his father, making himself equal with God. Think about that for a moment. Making himself equal with God by saying God was his father. Let's read backwards once to verse 17. Jesus answered them and said, My father worketh hither, and I work. We go down to verse number 20. Excuse me, verse number 19, Jesus said, 
Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he seeth the Father do. What things soever he doeth, there also doth the Son do likewise. The Jews understood, the Pharisees understood exactly what Jesus meant by using the Father and Son language. They not at one moment in time, that one second did they ever think that Jesus was making himself inferior or separate from God, claiming to be some other member of the Godhead. It made them mad. It says it right here, calling God his Father, making himself equal with God. Going to another example in John chapter 10, verse 33, the Jews are giving Jesus the reasons why they're wanting to stone him. It says, For a good work we stone thee not, but for blasphemy. And because that thou, being a man, makest thou self God. Maketh thyself God. He says, You're a man making yourself that you're God. Not Jesus never once with his mouth said, Hey, I am God Almighty. But they understood the things he was saying using this father son language. And to really bring into perspective, Everything the Jews were thinking, what was going on in their mind, is found in the scriptures. Malachi chapter 2 and verse 10 says, or asked the question, Have we not all one Father? And hath not one God created us? So here is a man. We have one Father. One God created us. They're saying that he is saying God is his Father, making himself equal with God. And then in John chapter 10, 33, it says, You being a man, maketh yourself God. So what's going on in their mind and what makes them so furious and triggers this anger is that here's a man claiming not only to be God, but he is claiming to be our creator. And the reason they could not comprehend it is because they were never even looking for Jesus in the first place because they had their image of God already made up in their mind. But the father-son language was very plain to them. They knew exactly what Jesus was saying when he used that type of language. Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6, one of the most powerful verses proving Jesus as God. It says, For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Look at the language here from the Old Testament. A child is born, and a son is given. These terms here, child and son, are directed to the manifestation or incarnation of what? Incarnation of what? It says it right here. The mighty God and the everlasting Father. So they knew exactly what Jesus was saying he was. And what really, I just believe, burned them up was the fact from what we just read from Malachi chapter 2 and 10, that we have one Father and one God created us. So where do we go? Let's go to the beginning and see what really is transpiring here. Genesis chapter 1 and in verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Very first words of the Bible. The first five words will say, in the beginning, God created. In the beginning, God created. There's nobody there beside God. In the beginning, God and somebody else created. In the beginning, God and this council created, or the angels, or 
the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost created. No, in the beginning, God created. There's nobody else here but just Him. Going further, Isaiah chapter 44 and verse 24 says, Thus saith the Lord, who's the Lord? Jehovah, God Almighty, thy Redeemer, and he that formed thee from the womb. I am the Lord that maketh all things, that stretcheth forth the heavens alone, it spreadeth abroad the earth by myself. Look at that. By myself. I, the Lord, have done all these things. And I did them by myself. Go into the next chapter, Isaiah 45, verses 5 through 7. I am the Lord. There is none else. There was nobody else before. There's nobody else right now. There is no God beside me. I girded thee, though thou hast not known me, that they may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none beside me. I am the Lord, and there is none else. And I like verse 7. I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create evil. I, the Lord, do all these things. I do everything, and I don't need anybody's help. So here we have one God, one creator, understanding that one supreme one did all of this with a spoken word, created the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry ground, and everything that was in it, all things. So there we can understand the Pharisees' rejection of this. So as we continue through the Bible, we go through the life of Jesus, and now we here we have John and John's Gospel. In John chapter 1, beginning at verse 1 through 3. He says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. That lines up exactly with Genesis 1 and what we just read in Isaiah. But then it goes down a little further, talking about this Word that was with God and this Word that was God. You drop down to verse 14, it says, And the Word was made flesh, and it dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory as, as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The only begotten of the Father. The only begotten Son of God. We already, under, we already found that Father-Son language does not mean two separate persons. But from the Old Testament, it is manifestation, and it means incarnation. So that's verse 14 of John 1. Go back down to verse 10. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. Never in John's wildest dreams would he have ever separated or meant to separate the Word and God from each other. He never meant to split them up into the Godhead. That, that idea was not even accomplished or even really endorsed, fully endorsed until the Council of Nicaea in A.D. 325, when a bunch of men got together, so-called bishops, I believe 300 or so, and decided to make it this way. But no, the Bible plainly tells us, rejects any other idea in John 1 and 1, what we just read. The Word was God. There was no separation. God spoke things into existence by His Word. He created them by His Word, very simply. No wonder Paul was saying that he was worried about the church, that they would be deceived just as Eve was deceived in the Garden of Eden by the serpent. 
corrupting their minds from the simplicity of Christ. It is just that simple that God created the world by His Word. Just as your words in your mouth right now are not separate from you, God's Word is not separate from Him. But what's so amazing about it is that Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Another scripture talking of Jesus creating the world found in Colossians chapter 1. And we'll read verse 13. Who have delivered us from the power of darkness and have translated us into the kingdom of his dear son in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones, dominions, principalities, or powers, all things, there it is, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body of the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have preeminence. So, there we see a lot of the word there, all. Isaiah said, I, the Lord, have done all these things. Here, Jesus Christ, the image of the invisible God, created all things that are in heaven and in earth. He was before all things, and by him all things consist. Another scripture, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 through 2. God, who at sundry times and diverse manners spake in times past unto fathers by the prophets, but he hath in these last days spoken to us by his Son. This is the way God decided to speak to us, manifesting himself in flesh, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. Jesus Christ, right here, the image of the Father, the invisible God, created all things, and by him do all things consist. Very powerful stuff here. Going back to what we read, John chapter 5 and verse 39. At the beginning of this episode, search the scriptures, for in them you think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. You see how we can search the scriptures and find Jesus Christ from the very beginning, the very first five words of the Bible, in the beginning God. We find out who that God is and what his name is. His name is Jesus, but there's more to it. He says, in them you think ye have eternal life. So if I can find Jesus at the beginning, I can find the plan of salvation at the beginning. So going back to Genesis chapter 1, reading verses 1 through 3, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and God said, Let there be light, and there was light. Verse 7 says, And God made the firmament and divided the waters from which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament, and it was so. So here we have two different words for creation. Genesis 1 says God created. Genesis 7 says God made. The word create in verse 1 literally means to make something new from nothing. God literally created something out of nothing by his word, spoke life into existence. But in verse 7, it says that 
God made the firmament. What does that mean? That's putting something in order that's already there, already created. Something that's sitting here and molding, much like they would make pottery out of clay. The clay is there, but then he began to make it and to perfect it. He was not, he did not make something out of nothing, but there was already something there for him to work with. Verse 2 says that the earth was created, but it was without form, it was void, and it had darkness. But the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. We are created beings born from our mother's womb. It's a miracle how that process happens. But according to this, we are without form and void and full of darkness. But it needs the Spirit to move upon us. It needs the Spirit to make us new. God created the heavens and the earth. But then after that, after the creation, then He began, He had something to work with. And each and every day, He continued working, continued perfecting. And at the end of the day, He would say, it is good. It was a process that led to perfection. Just like us, we are born. But there is a work to be done. There needs something to bring life into us. So, so just as the earth was created, but without form and void and full of darkness, but it needed the Spirit to move upon it. I need God to move upon me. Going to the words of Jesus, John chapter 6 and verse 44. No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me. Draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. There is creation language here saying that I cannot choose and go make myself better. I need God to come to me and to me obey him. I need his spirit to draw me. I need him to raise me up at the last day. I need that to happen in my life. I am full of darkness without the Holy Ghost. I am dead in my trespasses and sins without the spirit. I, yes, need to be baptized into Christ. And to be raised with the power and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. First Peter chapter 2 and verse 9 talks about this giving coming out of darkness. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who have called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I was in darkness. I was a created being without form, void, and darkness. But only he called me out of darkness into his light. I didn't do that on my own. I couldn't do it on my own. But he gave me, I didn't do that on my own. I could not have done that on my own in a million years. But God in his mercy gave me grace and called me. And I had the ability to obey. And through that, the old things were passed away. And I became a new creation. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 22. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. There is proof. I need the Holy Ghost. I need Jesus Christ inside of me. Second Corinthians 4 and 6. More creation language. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness. What is that? That's creation. Have shined in our hearts. To give the light of knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. There it is. Just as he called light into this world and commanded darkness to leave in my life. There was a time in my life where I was full of darkness. 
before the Holy Ghost, but after the Holy Ghost, I have the light of the world, and I am called a son of God. Staying in the same book, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, next chapter, verse 17 through 19. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new, and all things are of God. Hallelujah. Who have reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and have given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit, God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and have committed unto us the word of reconciliation. There it is, God in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not reconciling the world through another part, not reconciling the world to another member, but through the face of Jesus Christ, reconciling the world to himself. It's through that creation I can become something new. And it is then and there I can start being of the master's use. I can start walking in the kingdom. I cannot see or enter the kingdom without this creation in my life. That creation comes through obedience to the word of God. Being born of water and born of spirit. 2 Timothy 2 and verse 21. If any man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use and prepared unto every good work. I was born into this world one time, but Jesus said I must be born again. And he continued day after day, year after year, making something of me. And each time I achieved, each time I broke through, each time I went to a different level in him, he looked at me and he said, it is good. Now is the time to become part of the master's use. Now is a good time to be prepared for every good work. And I have to do that through the new creation. There is no other way around it. Not only does the Bible tell me that I have to do this, but oh, I get to do this. I get to be new in Jesus. But how do I do that? The same way it happened in Genesis chapter 1. It happened in the upper room in Acts chapter 2. The Spirit of God in Genesis 1 moved upon the waters and stuff began to stir. Just like in the upper room, the Spirit of God continued to move. It continued to hover until it filled all the house that they were sitting and cloven tongues as of fire sat upon each of them. And they all began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. And for the first time in their life, they became a new creation. They were following Jesus all up until this point. And here the promise came. And that promise is unto you and to your children and all those that are afar off, as many as the Lord our God shall call. Thank you so much for listening to Fact Ministries today. Lord bless you in Jesus' name.